0: rain that falls, and it hits the ground, and it, and it bears seed for the soil, the rain has something in it that fertilizes, and the Bible says, so like the rain, so like God's word, and when that word comes and begins to hit our soul, it fertilizes It fertilizes with the power of the kingdom. And then we begin to experience heaven right here on earth. So, Father, when we ask, come like the rain, that's what we're asking. And you said, if we pray according to your will, God will get what we ask for. Why? Because it's what you want to do. So will your Holy Spirit come today and shower us with your presence, with your power, like the rain. Let let the word go forth today like the rain and then the bible tells us that how does a young man and how does a young woman keep their way straight according to the word and then father we pray for the power of the holy spirit to come and manifest himself in front of us today in our hearts in jesus precious name that we pray and everybody say amen and amen. You may be seated. I know that the worship was a a little bit low-key this morning. Uh, It wasn't like that the first service, but the second service, so we wanted to honor what is happening next door. You have a a 50-year reunion of people from Fort Collins High School. I think it's the class of 1965. So they told us when we got to the second service to kind of cool it down just a little bit. Now, because the music a little bit low, don't mean your spirit needs to be low, okay? Just want y'all to understand that part so you, you can respond however you so choose to. It's good to be back. I'm back off of vacation and uh, uh, I'll tell you some of the things I learned on vacation that's pertinent to you uh, a little bit but I won't do that in this message. I'll do a little bit of it you know throughout the next several weeks because I'm real excited uh, about what God is about to do to me about to do to you and I remember the first week of the vacation I went to a fair wedding here in town of a personal friend of mine and then there was another young man that sit by me who was was really responsible for uh, helping me come back to Jesus Christ when I was in college. And we've been knowing each other for 30 some odd years. And he and I looked at each other. We were talking about the conditions of our world today and some of the decisions that had been made. And we were there, a bunch of believers just praying together and eating food and weddings. People look good and all that kind of stuff. And then he turned to me and he looked at me and he said something to me that has been a buzzword in my whole heart for the last 31 days. And here's what he said. He said, Johnny, make sure that we finish strong. Now, when he said that to me, it's like, wow. And That's all I've been thinking about for 31 days, finishing strong. I'm not as young as I used to be, you know what I'm saying? Don't let this 100 pounds of 80, you know, 180 pounds of blue twisted steel fool you. <laughs> the brother's <is> hurting. <laughs> and so it's good. But at the same time, I'm excited about what's getting ready to happen to you. Now, do you guys know that we're about a year or so away from actually buying property outright? with cash we're getting ready to do that and, and it's about permanency it's, it's about having that place and we're excited about it so we've been here in uh, the Hilton they've been so gracious to us and that's why we're in this area right here so we want to be able to accommodate them so they can accommodate us and in the next couple of weeks we'll have the whole CSU football team coaches wives kids here they do that annually we'll have that in a few weeks to come and so great things are happening so I hope that you have a good rest of now watch me say this. I hope you have a good rest of the summer because it is about gone. And that's quick. It just blows me away because we're on the backside of it. But here's what I'd like to do today. We're going to be having communion at the end of the service, okay? I want to thank uh, Rick and Alex for for delivering the messages to you Uh, in the month of July. I heard that they were good. One of the particular things that I heard was about claiming inheritance and, you know, obedience and all that, and it was great, and I thought about that. But for the next eight weeks, I want to get you ready for something. I want to get you ready to be free. I want you to get ready to proclaim freedom in your own life. To where nothing that comes at you can hold you down. Nothing. Now there's three things that God has granted to you. He has given you power and authority. Now you can use that to serve him. And he's also given you a passion for something. And he wants you to use that passion well. But he's also given you possessions. And he wanted you to use those possessions to glorify him. And so for the next eight weeks, especially you young people, those of you who've just recently been married or in marriage and all that situation of why is it that we still find ourselves in America, even in the church today, wrestling with this money thing? Why are we doing that? And I want you to know that God is calling us to faith and not fear. And he's calling us to faith. So for the next eight weeks, I want to download something in you that's going to help you help us as we help each other begin to learn about God's call for us in the area of power, in the area of passion, and in the area of possession. But it's all about freedom. It's all about being free. And and, and I want to attack it from a different way. Because I'm going to read something to you, and there are three different sets of verses I want you to write down. So if you got a pen, I want you to write it down. Because we're going to be using them for eight weeks. Now, why? Because in January, we laid the foundation for you of 25 years of building the church. God says what? The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And in January, we laid down to you something called discipleship. So that you would learn how the church is built. So you would learn what Jesus said to his disciples of what it means to be a follower of him. We did that from January all the way to May. And then in May, we gave you the power that causes that to happen with evangelism and discipleship. We gave you something called the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That gives you the power to witness and not be afraid of it. Because if the world ever needed the church, it needs it today. If the world ever needed the believer, it needs it right now. If Christians ever needed to stand up, it's time right now. And then in the month of uh, July, Alex and Rick brought you something about inheritance. I had a young man who called me about two months ago and said, Johnny, you remember when you prayed around the city several years ago? He says, man, you need to go back and claim that again. Because there's things that God has given you. There's things that God has given the church. And I don't know how much money, and I'm not talking about money today. I'm talking about something else. But I don't know how much money we have left on the table because we have not received our inheritance. This is not a faith preaching. Now, let me say this to you. Inheritance comes simply because you're a part of the family. Did you get that? You didn't have to work for it. You were just born into it. And Christians have so much of inheritance that we don't even tap into And what I want to do for the next eight weeks is I want to talk about what real freedom is. Real freedom. Freedom from power that's trying to control you. Freedom to use the gifts that God has given you. Watch this. but freedom to not let possessions, money decide who you are. And what you do. Now, do, 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 don't you understand that, that America has not learned a lesson because they think in order to solve problems, you just throw money at it. <laughs> I'm just going to throw some trillions. Oh, there you go. Problem has not changed. Has not changed. So I want, you to, I want you to get these three sets of Scripture. Okay? The first set of Scripture I want you to write down because I want you to read it for the next, watch this, eight weeks. Watch this. Every day. You're gonna get free. Why? Because God promises. Not Johnny. Not Jesus. God does. First one is Luke 6, 27 through 38. Now you're gonna have a good look at that today. A real good look at it. Luke 6, the Gospel of Luke, 27, 38, through 38. The second set of scriptures I want you to write down, especially you young folk that are in here, you need to get a hold of this. Okay? And that's 2 Corinthians, the chapter 8 and 9. Read it. Just read through it. And then the third set of scriptures you're going to look at is Philippians 2, 5 through 8. So the first one is Luke 6, 27 through 38. The second one is 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, both chapters, as well as Philippians 2 five through a now this is important for everybody because there's not a single person in this room that don't deal with the power that God has given them God has given you influence he's given you authority and everybody deals with that how am I going to use that today I'm going to use it to be selfish or am I going to use it to be selfless And everybody in this room deals with the talent that they have. The talents will make way for you. Now I'll say this to you. The scripture is very clear. It says that a man's gift will open doors for him. I don't care how old he is, but watch this. A man's character may not be able to hold him where his gift takes him. Are you with me now? There's a lot of people who's got a gift. They're giving athletes what? Millions and millions of dollars to play football. I was born in the wrong era. Wrong era base salary is a million five. When I was playing it was 16,000. I'm not complaining. Oh, don't worry about that. But what I'm saying is the talents will get you a place but can your character hold you? And then the possessions. Do they own you or do they dominate you? Or are you free from what you have? And it just seems like that God is saying to us I want you to be free. I don't want money to control you. I don't want your possessions to control you. I want to control you. And I want to show you this for the next eight weeks, but we're going to lay the base for it. We're going to lay the base for it. Now, I'm getting ready to give you an objective statement. And I want you to listen to it because I want you to write it down. We're going to read Luke six thirty-eight. But we can't get to Luke six thirty eight until we first explore verse twenty seven through thirty nine. But let me say this to you as we talk here. Now, I want to I want to read this to you, and I want you to listen to it because because this is the objective today. The, the objective today is about giving. Now, a lot of times when you talk about giving, you think people are talking about money. It's not about money. I want I want you to understand some. And yet, that is this source that God gives us by which we have some sense of control over. And how you use it is very important to him. Because when you understand stewardship, ladies and gentlemen, when you understand stewardship, stewardship basically means this. God owns it all. That's the first point. I only had one person say amen. Now, number two. No, it's okay. Now, I want you to stay with me, though. But because I, I want you to be serious about this message and the ones to come. Because it's going to free you. God owns it all. Second of all, you are nothing more than a manager of it. That's it. you're Your manager. And he created you to worship him, but he wanted you to manage the possessions of this world. Now, here's the last thing, okay? We do it for the glory of God. What if you got married for the glory of God? What if you played sports for the glory of God? What if you were a businesswoman like Lydia, a businessman, for the glory of God. What well, if you realize that the very presence that you have today is because you are here to glorify God in everything you do? You know what would change, you know what would change? Two things. And I'm gonna show them to you in just a minute. But let me make the statement, and I'm gonna show you in Luke six today, twenty-seven through 28, 38 and then next week we're gonna be hitting second Corinthians eight and nine. And then the week after that, we're going to be hitting Philippians 2, 5 through 8. But let me make this statement because I want you to get it. I want you to get this statement. Giving is the rule of kingdom life. Give. What would happen if a husband, a man, truly gave what he was supposed to give to his wife? Give. What would happen to a woman, a wife, who would truly give to her husband? What that would be like? What would it be like if children truly gave obedience to their parents? If there's anything under attack today, ladies and gentlemen, it is the family. And because we have stopped giving as a family, it has come apart. Because in the world today, it's all take, 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 take. But very seldom do you even hear about giving, 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 giving. Isn't it strange that the most popular scripture in the Bible says this? For God so loved the world that he took his foot and put it on her throat. For God so loved the world that he punished her. It doesn't say that. It says, for God so loved the world. Watch this. That he gave. That he gave. And therefore, when he created you, he created you to give. And he gave his only begotten son so that you will not Perish, and what would happen if we know that giving prevents perishing, but that he who believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life? So we're going to finish this, the, the, the the objective statement, okay? And it says giving is the rule, okay? Giving is the rule, all right, of kingdom life. Watch this. That governs the believer. Given is the rule of kingdom life that governs the believer by grace and attitude. It governs the believer, but the believer is governed by grace and attitude. Now, I'm going to read this scripture to you. We're going to come back and we're going to show you how this reflects itself in scripture. Now, if you would start with me in Luke 6. Church, are, are we here this morning? Okay, I just want to make sure I know y'all, but we ain't got to be that quiet. We kind of hope some of that get over there. Okay. You know, because I want them to know that new beginnings are not just for the young. Okay. So in verse 27 it says, but I say to you who hear, I say to you who are willing to reflect, paraphrase, interpret, I say to you, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek offer him the other also and whoever takes away your coat do not withhold your shirt from him either give to everyone who asks you and whoever takes away what is yours do not demand it back and just as you want people to treat you treat them in the same manner And if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those for whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful. Just as your father is merciful. And do not judge, lest you be, lest you will be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, they will pour into your lap. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you. Most of the times when people read that scripture, they are talking about cash and money. And I beg to differ that God is talking about something greater than that. I beg to differ on that. Because every time he talks about money, some 2,700 scriptures, it's always couched in two things. It's couched in grace and it couched in attitude. And so before he even gets to the part of possessions, he deals with our behavior. He deals with our attitude and he deals with our thinking. So it's easy for me to read verse 38 and say, look, man, if I put this much in, I'm going to get this much back. Now, that's easy, but he's not just talking about money. He's talking about your behavior. He's talking about your attitude, and he's talking about your thinking. So that money won't ever be an issue to you because God doesn't want you to be controlled by anything but him. Period. So now, after you have written down those three scriptures, I'm getting ready to give you something else. Four auras. That's aura, southern for a letter. <laughs> aura. Okay. Not aura. R. Got it. The first aura I'm going to ask you to write down is the aura of what is called, okay, reversal. See, God wants you to reverse. The curse of what the world throws at you. He wants you to give a contrary wind to what comes at you. Now the world's thinking is antichrist, but he wants you to reverse it. When the world does something to you, God is saying what you give, g i v e, is critical. The second thing he wants you to do is he wants you to retaliate, but he wants you to retaliate with kindness. I want you to just sit there with your legs crossed and all that kind of stuff. I retaliate with my wife all the time. She throws something across the bow. It's coming back. I just want y'all to know that. But how I retaliate is more important than the retaliation itself. Reverse it, then retaliate. Now, this is a beautiful one here. Here's the third thing. The rate of exchange. See, the rate of exchange says, when I give something, can I give it in such a way that what's going to come back to me, there's going to be a what? A conversion of something. Because what I gave is going to come back much greater than that which I gave. And so that's important in grace and attitude. Now here's the last thing. Rewards. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you reverse it, if you reverse the curse, if you retaliate the right way, the greatest change that you're going to get back is going to be a reward. And it's based on two things. Grace and attitude. Now, I'll start with attitude first. I don't know how many times in 37 years of marriage that my wife and I have spoke to each other more about attitude than anything. All I have to do is look strange at her when I respond. She says, what? (laughs) I think I look pretty good. But somehow she picks up on my attitude. And I discovered this summer in three months of study. That God is more concerned about your attitude than anything. How you react is huge to Him. So, 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 whether somebody would give a penny or a billion, it, it doesn't make any difference to Him. But a bad attitude, man, it'll drop right through the plate. A great attitude, here's what He does. He reverses it. He retaliates it. He gives you a rate of exchange and you get a reward. I'm going to show you this in the very scriptures we just read. Show it to you. And so attitude means a lot. Now, let me just give you the description of attitude. Now, I want to say this to you. y'all being too quiet on the brother. I may just shout so that they can tell us to come over and shut up. So you're just too quiet now. Come on. Come on. You're too quiet on the brother. Now, 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 let me, let me give you the description of attitude. See, attitude is a sacrificial heart as a sacrificial heart sends thinking to the brain that postures the body for a behavior of just pure giving. See, the baby responds. You know what I'm saying? Now, attitude's good. But you ask the coach, you ask a parent, you ask anybody. When you get a good attitude from somebody, it causes you to respond. Am I correct in that? Okay. So when we talk about giving here, we're talking about something way beyond money. We're talking about what you give and how you give it. It's huge. Now, here's the second thing, not in any order. And it's called grace. Now, grace has two definitions to it. Now, when I go back and read these scriptures, you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. And next week, when you start looking at 2 Corinthians 89, you're going to see that God caused a people who were in poverty to outgive a church that literally had millions. Outgave them because of their attitude. So why is grace so important? Because let me tell you something. When you hear me read this again and see me break it down for you. Grace does two things, ladies and gentlemen. It gives you the ability to do something that you cannot do on your own. You need grace. I need grace. I am the greatest example of God's grace. (laughs) Grace. And grace gives you something you don't deserve. See, God doesn't love me because I am lovable he loves me because it's his nature to love and he loves me in spite of what I do that's called grace that's why we tell you it's not by works that we've been saved but it's by grace so that no man could boast you need God's grace some of your thoughts alone, let me just say that some of my thoughts alone will send me to hell. Just some of the things that come through my mind that I don't even ask for. Whoop, where did that come from? But it's because of the grace of God that he doesn't do it. So when real giving takes place, it takes place because of grace. Now let me show you how it works. Think about it. Now, listen to these scriptures again. And I want you to put grace and attitude in these eight or nine scriptures and see when it gets down to the area of possessions. If he's really talking about money or is he talking about giving from an attitude and a gracious heart? Giving your time, giving your talent, giving your possessions. Now, I will say this to you. There's a book that I read uh, a long time ago. I don't read many books. There's one book that I'm consumed by, and it's called the Bible. Now, I got a 1,000 books in my library. Just come to my house. You can see them. And I probably got them because I read two or three chapters and put it in there and make it look like I was an educated man. But I I, I use them for a reason, to study and all of that. But there's a book that was written by a guy from Colorado. It's a well-known book. Guy's name is John Collins. I think he's either in Loveland or somewhere. It's called Moving from Good to Great. And the book says this. He talks about three things that major companies that have risen from obscurity to the top of the chain corporate. Companies like Walgreens and McDonald's. Because they do three things very simple. You know what it is? Find out first of all what you're good at. That's the first thing the book talks about. The second thing the book talks about is being very passionate about it. And then the third thing is find the economical engine that's going to supply it. He says, don't let good become the enemy of great. And it's a bestseller. And the reason why I share that with you is because God has given you power for a reason. God has given you what gifts for a reason, but God has also put possessions in you for a reason. And if there's anything that you want to be good at, and let me say this to you, ladies and gentlemen, and that's being good at serving God. And if there's anything you want to be passionate about, you want to be passionate about worshiping that very God you serve. And if there's anything that's going to be the economical engine that's going to drive that, my father and your father own a cattle on a thousand hills. It's all his. But sooner or later, sooner or later, money is going to come into the picture. Sooner or later, our possessions are going to cause us to think about things that we would not normally think about. And God is saying, until you solve the money issue. You probably won't be as successful as you really like to be because I don't want it to control you. Are you hearing me so far? Okay, now watch me. Now look here. We're going to read this scripture again. And now think about grace and think about attitude about grace. And now look at it from a different perspective. Because here we go. We're going to read this. Let's look at it again. He says now, but I say to you who hear love your enemies now when he says love your enemies okay he says but i say to you who's willing to what reflect uh to paraphrase to clarify and to interpret i want you to agape those who choose to be hostile towards you can you see the reversal already because he's saying, look, I want you to pay your enemies and I want you to do, I want you to be well with those who will, want to pursue you with detest. I want you to reverse that because I want you to contradict what the world is throwing at you. OK, and he says, bless those. I want you to make happy those who what doom you and to what invoke evil on you. As a matter of fact, I want you to pray. I want you to pray to the point and I want you to go to me about those people on their behalf who choose to mistreat you, who choose to what abuse you. Now, watch this, ladies and gentlemen, love, do good, bless and pray. Reverses, okay, enemies, hate. Okay, are you following me? It reverses it. It reverses enemy, hate, okay, and what else? Enemy, hate, curse, and mistreat. So the first thing you see is God is saying the world need to see in the middle of what is going through believers who are willing, number one, to reverse the curse. You got that? They got to see it because there is no other hope. See, I believe the hope of the world is Jesus Christ, but also believe that the hope of the world is the local church. I believe the hope of the world of believers who saying to people, we're going to do it differently. Yeah, I know you hate me. Yeah, I know you want to curse me. Yeah, I know you want to abuse me. Yeah, I know you want to mistreat me. You know what? I may have family members and people who have hurt, hate me, curse me, and abuse me. But you know what? I'm going to give back in exchange. I'm going to give a contrary win. And that contrary wind is based on attitude and grace. And it takes God to give me the grace to have the attitude to give love to my enemies. Are you following me at all? That's what the church is supposed to do. See, because a lot of us, you know, I want to say this. I want to say this to you. Man, I wrestle with that stuff because the last thing I want to give my wife is a compliment when I think she just shot one across the bow. Last thing. I love the woman. 37 years Come on now. Eh? Real. But God says, wait, hold, hold it. Hold it. Your attitude, son. Don't, no. Don't go there. And here's why I don't want you to go there. Because human revenge, watch this, is not redemptive. I just want y'all, y'all hear that? See, see, I mean, I, when I say that, I, I just thought people get up and go, hey, brother, come on. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, hey. Hey. Human revenge is not redemptive. God's revenge has redemption in it. To where I want to knock this. Well, okay, let me, let me let me let me just show you one more time. I'm going to continue to read. I don't want to slow down. I got to get this word in you today. I got to get it in you. And then he said, "Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also." What? Don't you know that person just slapped me and just got on my last nerve. God, I got to retaliate, okay? And he says, and whoever takes away your coat, don't withhold a shirt from him either. So God is saying, don't take advantage of your right to respond. Look here, ladies and gentlemen, when we got a world that thinks that rights is everything, that's why we're in the place we're in right now. Because people have mistaken rights, and they don't understand what real what? responsibility is everybody's got rights now and man we're going to hell in a popsicle basket should have said on a popsicle stick but what I want to say to you is that Jesus is telling us something that's contrary to our nature he says give to everyone who asks of you and whoever takes away what is yours look here man don't demand it back don't demand it back you see the attitude in that you see the grace in that because somebody comes and steals and, and do that from you. And then he says, just as you want people to treat you, treat them in the same way. Let that be your standard. So first of all, we see what God is saying here. The first thing is, man, I want to reverse the curse. But the second thing is, when I retaliate, I want to retaliate with kindness. Here we go. We're going to keep reading. And then he moves on, and he says, and if you love those who love you, man, what credit is that to you? Ladies and gentlemen, please understand this part, please. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it? If you lend to those expecting something to get back, what credit is? You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, here's the rate of exchange. The rate of exchange is when I give an amount and it converts itself to the point where it comes back greater than what I gave. That's the same thing with attitude. That's the same thing with grace. Grace gives you something more than you deserve. Grace gives you an ability to do something you cannot do on your own. So, way before we even get to the money part, Jesus is saying, if you can handle that in power, if you can handle that in your giftedness, then you'll also be able to handle it with your possessions. It's really important for you to understand. God guarantees this. That if you get the attitude right and if you get grace right, your possessions will not own you they want you get attitude and you get grace right then people's expectation of you won't own you if you get attitude and grace right then all the stuff that you failed at will not deter you if you get grace and attitude right your identity has nothing to do with your performance your identity is you because you are a being I don't know how many athletes, I don't know how many people perform today because they're trying to prove something to somebody. And God says, you don't have to perform for me. You are what you are because I have made you who you are. Are y'all following this at all? And how much stuff you can walk away free from when you get that attitude, that understanding? How, how, how many young men that I tutor and minister to over at CSU in high schools trying to get them to understand that your life is not performance-based? Your life is based on who you are and it's him. And because of who he is, that's who you are. And therefore, I got the right attitude. And it's because of the grace of God. And I wonder how different the church would be if she had that attitude. When we get to Philippians 2, here's what it says. I want you to have the same attitude. As Jesus, who had all of this power, who knew exactly who he was, but never once used it, watch this, to his advantage. Everybody in this room's got power, man. You got power to influence somebody. The issue then is this, man. Are you using that power for the kingdom of God? Can a woman use the power with her husband for the right way? Can a husband use the power to his wife the right way? Can we take the giftedness that we've got as individuals and use it for the glory of God? So before we even get to the money issue, here's the statement that I want you to hear for the next eight weeks. How would it be if you learn how to give out of God's wallet instead of yours? Isn't it fun to give somebody else's money? Just pick out of somebody else's pocketbook, you know. And, and for the women, I would say, uh, how do you learn how to give out of God's wallet, of God's pocketbook? Because you know, my my mom had a big pocketbook, <laughs> and I was a little kid, and I, that that woman had the whole community in that pocketbook. I mean, it was huge. she reaching in gets get stuff, man. You know, we, we'd be traveling somewhere. She'd take me with her in the summertime, and she would pull a big old jar out of there and give me something to drink and a couple of sandwiches out of there. And then she'd pull out some other stuff. i go, Mom. And then she had the nerve to ask me. Boy, I reached in my purse. I said, Honey, look, oh, Mom, I love you, but I'm not going in your purse, love, because something might bite me in there. And it was huge. Well, here's what God is saying. My pocketbook is big. And as often as you reach in there, you could never, ever empty it. And I'm going to prove to you that if you give me your attitude, I'll give you mine. If you would even be gracious to me, God is saying, I'll be gracious back to you. If your behavior and your obedience would be given to me by an act of your own will, I will come back to you as an obedient God and make sure every promise that I have ever made you come to pass. Is anybody getting this? So here's what I want you to think about as we're getting ready to close. Is there something bugging you when you get up in the morning and it follows you? No matter how many showers you take, it don't leave. No matter how many different set of clothes you put on, you can't hide it. It's just something. God wants you to be free of it. Even so free that that which you own is not yours. And you give it. You give it. So how do we close this? Well, Jesus says this. Give, do good, and lend, not expecting anything in return to the point that you realize that you have then now become sons and daughters of the most high. And being a son and daughter of the most high, guess what? You become just like him. And then he says this. Your reward is in heaven. So when I reverse the curse, bringing a contrary wind to the world, and I retaliate, but my retaliation is with kindness, and I ignite the rate of exchange where I give a dollar and get a million back, then my reward is in heaven. Because even he who is a faithful God is still gracious to what? Unfaithful and evil men. What separates you from the world is your attitude about life. What separates you from the world is that when you lose something, the way you react to it is huge to God. When somebody slaps you in the face, the way you react to them is give them the other side. Now, I told God I got four cheeks, two up here and two in the back. When they hit four and, you know, number five, God, I got to react, Okay. He hadn't listened to me yet. But but, but what I'm saying to you, understand what he's trying to say. You don't give the world what he gives to you. You give the world God because that's what she needs. And then he says, look, (laughs) I love the way he says it. Would you be merciful? Because you know something about justice. And I'll close with this and I don't want to embarrass him. But I've got a governor. You've got a governor. And there's about 25 pastors that meet with him twice a year in Colorado Springs and in Denver. And your governor is wrestling with the death penalty. And as he shoots that message across the table when all 25 of us are there, and some of the pastors there, some of them I don't even think they believe that the word of God is true. I'm not saying anything bad about them. But this man wrestles with somebody taking somebody else's life and then having their life taken because of it. And I asked him a question that how do you explain justice? Are y'all hearing me? How do you philosophically and psychologically deal with that? Because you can't even get into the head of that one that just lost their mom or dad or sister or brother. I understand your feelings, Now, I got to minister to him because I want him to know that that same Bible tells me I need to obey the government until it tries to tell me to sin. But that same government tells me that I need to, you know, obey it. And I will until it tries to make me sin. So what I say to the governor, if you believe that, then you got to redefine justice. Because you have put no closure on the ones who had the loss. But God still says, be merciful. Merciful is defined by justice. How can you be merciful on something that has no justice? Are y'all following the brother at all? So God says, reverse the curse. Then he moves on and says, hey, don't judge. Now, he didn't say that you couldn't judge. He says, if you do judge, just remember the way you judge, is going to be coming back to you, (laughs) he says, you won't be judged. Reverse it. And then he says these last two that are very, very important. He says, don't condemn. Because then you will be condemned as well. I like this last one. He says, pardon. And you'll be pardoned. And he says all of that to get to one verse Think about that. Think about how easy it would be for you to release your possessions because you understand attitude and grace. Because it's God's attitude towards you that you've experienced, and God wants you to take that same attitude into your situation. And then He says, and it will be given unto you. You want mercy? Give mercy. You want grace, give it. You want to be trusted, give trust. You want to trust somebody, give it away. And he says, stop condemning each other. Stop doing that. You know what? And then he says, when we get to these one thing in your life that you have total control over is your possessions. Are you willing to give so it can be given back to you? You young couples, I know y'all love each other and all that, and I still love my wife, but I tell you what, man, money has become an issue to us over the years because we want to take care of our kids. We want to provide, and we don't have no problem as single people, but when we get married and we start raising kids, that become a huge issue. God says, don't let it start now because when you give, it'll come back. Guess what? In good measure. When you don't judge, when you don't pardon, or when you do pardon, and you give mercy, it comes back what? In good measure. So it's just not talking about money. Okay? (laughs) But then he says, press down. Mercy will be pressed down to you. Forgiveness will be pressed down to you. It says, "What shaken, just just like flour in in a measuring cup." And I really love to, you know, some of some of the best cooking I do is 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 pancakes, man. Because I make all kind of pancakes. Just name them. I make it. I make buttermilk pancakes. I make steak pancakes. I'm good at it. And I love that because every time I do it, I get a chance to press it down and shake it. He says, not only that you get a chance to shake it because we're going to get the air bubbles out of it, but guess what, man? It's going to be overflowing. It's going to flow into your lap. Mercy is going to flow into your lap. Kindness is going to flow into your lap. Forgiveness is going to flow into your lap. And let me tell you something, man, that solves a lot of problems in relationships. Because forgiveness is not because you're saying yes to what somebody's doing, but it's taking the burden off of you to deal with the consequences. That's what forgiveness is about. We're getting ready to take communion in just a minute. He said, the measure you give <laughs> is the measure that's going to come back to you. Yeah. So as we begin to embark on our permanency in this city by buying land with cash or a, hall, a building. When we start talking about giving, I don't want you to start thinking about, oh, here's how much money I got. That ain't got nothing to do with it. It's got a lot to do with your attitude and mind. And God says, I'll give it back to you. A hundredfold. Amen, church. Man, it's so good to be back. And I want you to know something. I am ready to finish strong. As of January 1, Rick and I, full-time, I'll be planting churches up and down I-25. That'll be my full-time job. And we already got some work started in Pueblo and Colorado Springs, Johnstown, Laramie and Cheyenne. This mother church right here will come up under the Isis Christ Fellowship Apostolic Church Network. Corporate papers are being drawn up. All that's getting ready to go. And after 25 years of ministry, I believe I've done what God has asked me to do. To build her up in discipleship and to build her up in evangelism. And to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now for you to get ready to learn how to give so that your legacy will continue long after you're gone. And we're prime and we're ready. You're going to have some people come up and speak to you in the next several weeks about getting it all in order. But when we start talking to you about giving, don't you once think about cash. What we want you to think about is attitude and grace. What has God graced me to do? So your homework, Luke 6, 27 through 38, 2 Corinthians eight and nine Philippians two five through eight for the next eight week I want you in those scriptures we're going to be digging some stuff out so that we may take our place in this community what God wants us amen church you're so kind we're going to ask the worship team to come on back up and we're going to take up our offering and then do communion communion I love communion the first Sunday of the month Amen. man it's just beautiful you young people I hope you heard that message today if you start out with those principles in your life right now you don't have to be 40 50 60 years old wondering where your retirement went God will take care of you you can start building on that right now OK, so let's pray. Father, we thank you that we get an opportunity to be stewards of what you've given us because of the influence and not only the gift that you've given us. We want to let these possessions move forward in the way you want them to. So we have an opportunity to give today. God, let us give it because of the grace that you've put on us. And that grace is according to what a man has, not because of what he doesn't have. And we just thank you. We want to honor you and worship you. Bless this offering in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.